Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by Planet Fitness. Hey, Black, it's 2020, and I am so motivated to work on this dad bod. I bet you are, Deck. I think Planet Fitness is the perfect place to do that, considering how much we travel. You're right, Black. I couldn't agree more. They have more than 1,800 locations nationwide with some of the cleanest spaces we've ever worked out in. Yeah, and don't forget the friendly staff and unlimited free fitness classes. So head over to their website today, planetfitness.com, and join us in making 2020 the year we rid the dad bod. Well, our guest today is a local celebrity and well-known in the restaurant industry, specifically if you're in the Cincinnati, Lexington, or Indianapolis area, then you've probably heard of him. The founder of Tony's Steakhouse is here to share his journey of overcoming adversity to becoming a successful business owner. Welcome to the UDP, Tony. Thank you very much, guys. Good to be here. Kyle didn't even know I had that intro lined up. So this is what it's like being like in a studio, huh? Yeah, this All is this it. Fancy equipment stuff. I love yeah, it. Here you are. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, I know we, we've, we've, uh, we've done some work to try to, to make this happen. So we finally have, uh, we finally got the chance to, to sit down with you. And, uh, like, you know, all of our episodes, we, it's the underdog and, you know, we view you, you know, as an underdog, um, because of the success that you've had. But obviously before that, you know, there's always adversity that people face at some level. Um, and so, we want to start there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we know you have, you know, Tony's Steakhouse, but before, you know, that happened, um, take us back to really, you know, that adverse moment. I know you had mentioned that, you know, you had lost your job and that was probably a low point in your life. Um, and, and then kind of how the journey began with Tony's Steakhouse. I've, uh, yeah. Um, it, it's been, a, it's been a, it's been a, a great journey. It's been a good journey. And uh, sometimes smooth, sometimes you know tumultuous, and so on and so forth. But being in the hospitality uh, field, all uh, uh, people always told me, you know, you should do your own place, you should do your own restaurant, and so on. So after being with a company for twenty-two years, and all of a sudden you have three kids at home, you have a wife, you got to provide for them, and you know, one day it comes down and says, okay, you're no longer needed, you're out of a job. Uh, that was something that um, hit me kind of hard because you think you're just going to stay with the company a long time and you think you're going to provide them, you know, um, with your goods and services and then you're not, no longer needed. So that hit me hard and it, it, I was pr proudful, you know, uh, I was, um, my ego got smashed a little bit, to be honest with you. But then a couple months later, what happened was my wife gets diagnosed with cancer Okay, right at the same time. And I'm going, holy, my God, God. You can say whatever you yeah. say on here. <laughs> what is going on? So this happened in 2008. So I tried to do a couple of different things. I went to a restaurant to do some consulting. They wanted me to take it over, but their tax situation was so awful. I couldn't even bear to show my face in front of investors to ask them to come on board. So that went wayside. Then I went to another place, and that was a tumultuous ending there, if you will. 
And then I tried try to get out of the business and I went into the olive oil business and I now I know why some Italians have a bad name. <laughs> you know? So and I'm saying, Oh my God, what are we gonna do? And I find I had to leave that job and I said we were there was September of uh, two thousand nine and um I'm looking at my wife and I go, How many more months of bills do we have? She goes, A month. And I reached out to some friends. We met at a, a place and a guy by the name of Nick Lutz. Uh, looked at me and says, why don't you just do what you're good at, man? Open up your own restaurant. And it was funny because the next day I was having lunch at the Bravo right up here on Mason Montgomery Road with a friend of mine. And right in the middle of lunch, I have 10 bucks. That's all I have in my pocket. I ordered a salad and I had $2.72 for tip. I said, I got to leave. I got to go. I left and drove by where Tony's is located now because it dawned on me, Bravo moved here from that location. I'm wondering if that building is still available. I saw the sign it was, I called, and it happened to be a friend of mine, Joanne, and she goes, do you have money put aside? I go, yeah, I got about three quarters of a million dollars. I had zilch. And she goes, okay, well, let me put the deal together. And because she knew my reputation, it was easy to get the landlords, you know, to get on board. So that's how the journey started. To make a long story shorter, about a month before Thanksgiving, I lost my first position because people wanted to buy the building. And I said, we didn't know what to do that time. You know, what, what are we going to do? What place are we going to find? And so on. And the Monday before Thanksgiving, I'm having the worst holiday, beginning holiday season ever. I get a call from Joanne, you're in first position again. I go, why? He says, well, the owners didn't like the people who wanted to buy the building. Are you still in? Do you still have the money? I go, yes, I do. But now I want an option to buy. Wow. That's how it happened. Man, oh, man. I didn't know that. I've known yeah. you for a while, but to hear the back end of that story, how, yeah. and, and I think the one common theme that we've seen through the podcast is how close and thin that line, whether it's in sports, it's winning or losing or in business. And I've learned that myself. It's just one little break or one little thing to push your way can just really set your trajectory on up and that's incredible story of how close like you said oh. going back and forth jostling from there yeah i mean it was a thin line and then we finally put everything together okay montgomery road is all torn up it was a two-lane road you had manholes six inches to a foot off the ground i'm opening in 2010 you know we're coming out of the worst recession but not yet fully and I have to I have to infuse God into this because we opened on the 17th of um, May, 2010. The Monday that we open, I have payroll due that Friday, and we have $3,000 in the bank. I don't have any money for payroll. The accountant comes to me and says, um, we, we're not going to make payroll. I go, can we use the credit card? I go, we, we're not going to be able to. And... I said, okay. So it was Monday. I go to St. Columba Church where I go to church. I sat in the pew. The organist is practicing. I look at the guy on the cross and I say, dude, you know what I promised you? I'm going to give back. Now it's up to you. Never thought about cash flow again. We made payroll and business just getting better and better and better and better. You believed. Yeah. Always. Wow. That's incredible. You, yeah. had a, you had a friend tell you to do your own thing and mm -hmm. then... You have a lady says, how much money you got? You lie. Totally. But you find a way. Mm -hmm. and we don't have to go into the specifics. Yeah. 
but you, as we always say, you believed in yourself. Like you yeah. bet on yourself. I did. And one of my, one of my biggest supporters, when I called him, I said, I, what do you think about this place? He goes, well, I'm the guy that moved Bravos from that location to the new location. I go, okay, I get it. <laughs> this is <laughs> somebody's talking to me, you know? And he basically says, if your numbers are good, I'm in for a quarter, you know? And, uh, then I knew that if he was in another guy would be in cause they're best friends. And it, just the ball just kept rolling. Now you're a new business owner. Um, and you know, you get things going, you know, you, you overcome the payroll issue. What were some of the other challenges that you had probably along maybe that first year or so that you had to learn as a kind of a new business owner that, you know, our listeners could maybe take away. I think one of the, um, one of the challenges that worried me more than anything else was my reputation coming from where I came from. Um, I develop a good reputation as, you know, uh, a person who always looks out for the guests and wants them to have a great experience, consistency in food and so on. And I would, I would just hope and pray that they would see that, that if they perhaps didn't have the best experience that they knew that I was, you know, trying my butt off to, to, to make it right for them. Um, the thing that made it easier was when people that knew me that would come in and see me. Uh, they knew that they could rely on me. If something was wrong, they could tell me and I could work on it and I could fix it. And so in that aspect, it made it a lot, le a lot easier, you know, and then coming to an area like this where nobody knows you, that's, that was something that we had to develop. I wish I had cash back in that day. Cause I would have bet on this guy <laughs> learning the business. Thanks. I know now it's like, he has passion. I knew he had great customer service. Have you ever been in one of his restaurants? Which I highly recommend, obviously, once again, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, in Lexington. Um, got the biggest hands I've ever seen. <laughs> so if you feel a hand, a lot of times he just sneaks up and just throws it on your right shoulder or left shoulder, and I, I just know it's Tony. Yeah. And you just you got you know great great uh, handshake, big hug. You know, just once again, it's genuine too. So not that I, I'm a little biased. I've known him for a while, but. Um, I just, it makes me, me smile every time I, I see you just because once again, it's just the big bear hug and, and a big handshake and it's genuine too. And it's not just to me, it's to many people um, because you remember just like how we started our business or when I started here at the job center was back corner of the mall plaza, not too far away and how hard it was. And I think you coming from that approach of like just barely making, barely making payroll now as you move forward to your other locations, you never forget, like you said, never forget um, and to give back and talk a little bit i know you you had mentioned about that like sitting in the church looking up and say it's in your hands and and what i, I think is important and i would like the listeners to learn like the things you are doing in the community now that you are ha a successful business owner what 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 are some of the things that you are giving back and part of we're i mean we're very involved um in the community one of the things that i could mention local schools one mm -hmm. of them being loveland of course and uh supporting their sports team and then the other programs that they have um um, 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 whether it be show choir, or whether it would be the robotics classroom. So I support all, I support all of that. The other, the other organizations that we support is the Anthony Munoz foundation every year at the golf outing. Another guy with huge hands. Yeah. The only <laughs> but it's pinky. Yeah, jack, yeah, it's jacked yeah. up yeah. pinky. Yeah. Yeah. Which he's cool with. I've, so yeah. I only shake his first three fingers so that my hand feels bigger. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but as a matter of fact, I just got off the phone with him cause we're celebrating our 10th anniversary come this May. And I wanted to do a little tidbit on video to, 
you know, because of how we support his organization. But that's one of the organizations that we support. Uh, the other one is the Dragonfly Foundation. Um, that is a foundation that basically most of the children have no, uh, very little chance of surviving. And they do some great things for parents who are, um, who may not necessarily be able to afford, um, the care for, for their kids. So, um, any, anything, uh, to do with that, we, we are, we, we are tied into, and then obviously, you know, big donations like wine dinners to organizations like Cancer for which everybody else does. But Dragonfly, Anthony Munoz Foundation, the schools, especially Loveland schools, because I live in the community. Those are the biggest things for me. And I think that's just important because as a business owner myself, like you, you back that up. Right. And and like you you said, you've, you're fortunate. And then, and so really appreciate, obviously, in the communities we're in, um, your your consistent support there. So And I do that in Lexington. Mm-hmm. There's a church behind us that we do that. There's another high school in Lexington that I do the same thing for, in Indianapolis, the same thing. So we, we try to embed, and that's part of just, just giving back. Yeah. One of the questions I have, a beautiful family, great wife and Deb. Uh, great kids. Obviously, I uh, was a terrible quarterback coach for your son, Gio. No, you were you great. Got <laughs> you were receiver. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got him out of the quarterback position. Yeah, I should take a. Yeah, Absolutely. we got him to. But it, it, that worked out well. Worked yeah. out well right that now. That worked out we'll, very well. We'll touch on that later, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I guess a selfish question for me being traveling in similar roles, like you said, have you expanded your business? How have you balanced, what are some takeaways for whether it's myself or any of the listeners that travel, because you've obviously sustained success in business and I, I believe in family as well. How, how, how have you balanced that? Well, um, first of all, if I didn't have an understanding wife like Deb or a loving wife like Deborah um, and someone that believed in me, um, it's, it's, it's hard. So you need that partner that partner in life that really believes who you are and so on. And then the the trust level that we have in each other, knowing that if we don't see each other for two or three days and so on and so forth, that um, when we get back together again, we can discuss, okay, what happened, uh, supporting each other from far away, as well as when we're, you know, together, if things happen with kids, all that kind of stuff, the way, um, and it's been hard because, you know, when I opened Indianapolis, I was away for the whole weekend, come in on the weekends. But I'm not the only guy that that, that does that. Um, my kids, all the credit goes to Deb because I wasn't around. I was always working nighttime. They would come home from school and, and so on. I think what, um, I think the key thing with Deb and I is when it, when it comes to our kids, we're probably two of the most unselfish individuals that you could, that you can meet. They, they were first, you know, and as long as we had that vision, that goal in mind, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think that that strengthens the marriage, even though, you know, you're going to disagree on things every once in a while, but I think, uh, the marriage was strengthened and we're, and we're each other. We are each other's best, um, advocates, if you will. That's great. I appreciate yeah. that. And it's, I think we're always striving to understand, I guess, work-life balance. I think that's obviously a struggle for many of our guests and many of the listeners. And I know that's a, you know, a lot of folks at like when we ask that, when I get feedback, it's, well, how did Tony, you know, grow his business and maintain, you know, some sanity at the, the home front. And 
um, I actually asked that, my, asked that myself and, and uh, really good insight. So I appreciate that. When you're home, you're present. You know, I think that's one of the things we hear too, is like when you are at home, you know, you're, you're present, you know, a lot of times, I think you kind of just said you, you know, you just came out of the cave with Facebook, you know, so it doesn't, but you know, I think one of the things nowadays is being, you know, a lot of times you're home and you're on your phone and kids are running around. It's like, put the phone down and just be present in, in the house while you're there with them. I think those things are, those are different. And that's something that I still have to learn because, you know, when I've always said, um, my business is when everybody else, most of America is sleeping, you know? Yeah. So when we're, um, when we're together, I have to be on the phone in case my managers need something and so on. Um, but we're, Slowly, I'm slowly finding that that levity. You know mm-hmm. that I have a great team of managers. I have a great great staff in all three restaurants. And uh, you know, if there's a problem, it can wait till tomorrow. I have a two part question. You kind of just touched on it. So <clears throat> I want to talk about being able to scale and obviously open up a second and third location. But how were you one able to do that? But at the same time, I have not been to Lexington or Indianapolis, but I would imagine when I walk into the one here in Cincinnati, you know, the environment, the experience that you have with the, you know, the white tablecloths and everything and the high ceilings and your staff is very, very well, just they a tremendous staff, if you will. How were you able to duplicate that and, and really keep that culture as you've scaled? Cause that could be difficult. You know, the, the broader you get, you know, you're not able to touch those locations like you are here. How are you able to do that? You always look for people in your company that have that little bit of a drive. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. It just happened in Indianapolis. We lost one of our managers uh, in December, <laughs> excuse me. So we were a little bit shorthanded. And um, so we're looking for managers. We got an ad out and all of a sudden, one of the servers says, I don't want to be a manager anymore. I got a family. I got a wife. I got a family. I need something more. I want a title behind my name. I know I can do the job, blah, blah, blah. Took him on. And now we're going to develop him slowly, you know, to become, you know, a manager. So you hope that that person, when there's a fourth location, Hopefully there'll be a fourth location there that will be. he can, there will yes, be. that he, that he will come and say, I'm ready to make a move. I already have uh, a sous chef in Lexington that has come to me and said, the next restaurant's mine. That's what you look for. Right. You know what I mean? I want the ball. The people. Yeah. The who. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And you're always looking, and that's hard to find as someone that has, mm-hmm. I call it the, the gas factor, excuse my language, the give a shit factor, someone that you yeah. can teach and mold but you know has the work ethic and uh, the people skills to then you can train. And that's as hard as it is to say, we're a staffing company, full vulnerability yeah. here. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to find people. It is. Within, we, we do that for our livelihood is to hire people and you would think we would be experts at it and we're not. And, and, but it, the people game and understanding how to find leaders is not an easy task. I have proud, I have prided myself in all, uh, management and corporate level no one has ever had to come to me and said it's time for my review it's always done so from my standpoint they know that they are so appreciated and rewarded you know sometimes for effort most of the time for results you know and um i think they 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 know that and once you start doing that and they gain a trust in you they'll 
walk through fire for you, yep. you know? And then their reward comes from the guests that come in and, you know, you know, Kevin here in Cincinnati. I mean, he's constantly on the phone. Dave in Lexington, Michael, they're constantly on the phone, people wanting tables and so on. That's a reward in itself. Right. Yeah. And talking to stay quickly on the scaling perspective, when, when did you, from a business perspective as well, make that decision to go to Lexington first? Like, when was it time where you're like, okay, I'm ready to then make that business decision to go? What was kind of the thought process and business strategy behind that? There wasn't. My big investor that was here that mm -hmm. told me, if your numbers are good, I'm in for a quarter. He was having dinner in the restaurant. I'm having dinner with my wife, Deborah, and two friends. And I go over and check on them and say, how are you doing? And he looks at me and he goes, um, how'd you like to do another restaurant? I go, yeah, where? He goes, Lexington. And I go, where in Lexington? He goes, right across the street, Rupp Arena. I go, I'm in. This was a Saturday night. Sunday, Deborah and I are in Lexington, okay? And we go to their best restaurant there and so on the sofa. And he goes, uh, you better call Tom tomorrow and tell him that you want to sign the deal before you even raise money. And I did. I signed the lease before I started raising any money for Lexington. So it was just, we just felt it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And then coming from him, who was in real estate, you know, and knows the market, I go, how can you go wrong when somebody like that comes to you and says, you want to do another restaurant? I got the perfect spot for you, right? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Exactly. I, I honestly, I've seen so many pictures. I need to make it down there. I think I would have been down there so far. It's uh, fun. It's vibrant. It's fun. It's yeah. two stories. And we're getting ready to work on the fourth floor rooftop. Wow, we gotta go. So yeah, we definitely gotta <laughs> waiting, go, uh, and that's gonna have the best view of of Lexington and the new Rupp Arena, the new redesign of Rupp Arena and the convention center. It's been it's been amazing. It's just been amazing. Yeah, we need to just. There's one change that we need to make here in Cincinnati first. We need to get rid of the Riley Burger and put the Decker Burger or something like that. <laughs> the Black and Decker Burger. The, the Black and Decker Burger. The Black and Decker Burger. Riley's out. Black, Black and Decker's, and Decker's in. in. Uh, there you go. You can ponder that one for a little while. Yeah, we won't put you on the <laughs> Maybe that should have been the hot, Who's hot gonna, topic. Are tools going to order that? <laughs> Come on. Uh, a lot of good people like that. Hey, yeah. once this po podcast goes viral, Love you know, it. once we get a million views, then we'll get them to change. We'll say, all right, we'll, do, we'll do Black. Hey, absolutely. We're a tenth of the way there. <laughs> Maybe a hundredth of the way there. Right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk back. So again, we like to kind of build from... Yeah. Uh, you know, the restaurant, but let's go back to, you know, kind of your childhood. Um, yeah. You were born in Italy, correct? I was born in Italy, came here, um, moved to Toronto in November of uh, uh, 68. I was eight years old and my uncle, my dad's brother lived in Cincinnati. So in June of um, 1969, we came here. Dad found out he, his dad found out that he and his brother were U.S. citizens and we were able to stay here. I, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. I was just, and I know you talked a lot in some of the articles I read um, just about the, the, you know, the culinary experience or just kind of the importance of, you know, the, you know, dinner and everything within the Italian culture and with your mom. And uh, yeah. I know you had a couple of different quotes and different things. Can you talk, elaborate a little bit on, you know, just kind of how your mom imp like instilled that, you know, that mindset in you? Yeah, one of, the, one of the biggest things for me was to get uh, friends over here to trust me and being a friend. You know, you, you're learning the language, you don't know everything. You're 
the last one to hear something, I guess, you know, the first one to laugh at the wrong time, you know, all that. So all that was going on. And I, I just remember dinner, we would always have dinner as a family and anytime it could be dad's friend. It could be the neighbor. You know, my mom would always take a chair and pull it up to the table, you know, and it wasn't me that came up with, there's always room for one more at our table. It was a friend of ours, um, Brian. And, and I go, when he came up with that, I go, that is so true. And at dinner table at our house was just a party every night. There was wine served every single night. I, I couldn't wait to have dad's wine, you know? Um, it, it was it, so that hospital, the hospitality of it, you know, with mom, just, uh, it, it, it didn't, and it didn't matter what time, you know, you, you, you come in at 12 o'clock. If she was up, you want something to eat, you know? What was your, uh, no, I was just thinking about if I lived over in the Ricci <laughs> yeah. house, my, my dad bod would be off the beach. 275. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, yeah. now, hey, we're working on it. Okay. <laughs> we are. We we're are. working on it. Yeah, yeah. We are. Okay. It's my workout partner. Is I had to he? throw a little yeah. thing. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, you're looking at me and I'm like, man, if I told mom at, at midnight or like, yeah, that'd be a lot of pasta. I'm thinking, yeah. oh man, I'd be, yeah, that'd be three bells. It's a wrap. Be 275 yeah. would be no bueno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or whatever no good in, in Italian is, but. No, she, she was just amazing. I mean, she would work day and night and she would come home and what's in the fridge? I don't know. Uh, pop, 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 Next thing, there's a three course meal. On wow, the man. Man, that's awesome. It was that's just so amazing. It was amazing. And so how, how did you adjust into the States then? Like kind of talk about that. You said it was a little you know, bit rough. Well, it was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, um, you know, I played soccer, everybody else played football and baseball. So I tried to thank God that he gifted me with some athletic ability. So to transition into, to transition into playing baseball was very easy for me. Uh, at, as a young man, I just couldn't hit the ball. Okay. Uh, football. I mean, I could dive on the field, hit my head on the goalpost, put a helmet on me, and I'm scared as as <laughs> could be. I don't know what it was. Um, so th I think it was my ability to play sports that made it easier. Made it easier for me. Um, you know, I remember playing um, uh, basketball right up the street from uh, my house because oh. And, uh, you know, playing soccer, uh, going into my freshman year in high school, I thought that we had it made because the Cincinnati Comets were one of the first professional soccer teams, believe it or not. Remember that? Or you don't remember that, but you've heard about it. And they were one of the first professional soccer leagues, and they had the, they had the Comets, they had the Asteroids, and then the Meteors. And they were 17, 18-year-olds, 14, 16-year-olds, right? Well, they started in 19, 1972. I was 12 years old. And we're playing soccer, and I'm, like, just as good as all these guys and so on and so forth. So, 14, they call me up, a totally different coach. I'm walking through the halls of Purcell. I'm, yeah, I'm going pro, baby. You know, <laughs> so a, year, a year and a half later, and these the kids that I played with on the Meteors, they were awesome. They were very talented. And a year and a half later, it all disbanded. Oh, man. It just all disbanded so if it didn't disband we might be he might be the fc cincinnati head coach or something well that would have been never know you know i always that would i tell deborah all the time if i if i had everything that i have today you know uh if i would have stuck with because everything disbanded so we i started playing basketball quit soccer and then four years later a new league comes along with pele beckenbauer you know all these european players okay and i go Shh, we missed it 
Mm-hmm. Right. I probably would be coaching someplace. I'd probably be coaching soccer. Yeah. So you're talking about you could have been a professional soccer player, professional model. Yeah. He said yeah. no boy. I he I couldn't bring it out, but I had to. Yeah. Um, but instead he's a you know, still done well for himself as yeah. we've been talking it's, about. It's, but uh, apparently his culinary skills. Those that didn't know Tony, they're very, listening, very poor. listening to this, getting a better uh gist of who he is uh, growing up. He could have like I said, soccer model yeah is there any other things we should throw out there uh no that's about it <laughs> I, i'm sure you're a perfect a student right uh no <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i did well yeah um but to be perfectly honest with you one of the reasons why i got in the hospitality field is my junior year at purcell um if i would go back and had to do it over again i probably would have went to a public school because they would have probably had a little bit more opportunity for me rather than a parochial school but uh, they gave me this thing called the SAT test. Mm-hmm. You go, what the hell is this? <laughs> so and you only had a certain amount of time. I didn't even get past the first part of the reading portion. I couldn't understand crap. And I go, school is not for me. Okay. I started working in an old folks home. And that's where my that's where my wife calls me the geriatric gigolo. Ah. Because okay. all the women there loved me. Yeah. yeah, geriatric jiggle. Something up. like that. Yeah. What, maybe we'll title this episode that. Over eight, <laughs> over 80 under 8. There you go. Yeah, you were you were a hot commodity back Something then. Like when that. did you meet Deb, by the way? I met her at uh the job at uh yeah, where I used to work. She yeah. applied, she moved down here with her brother uh in the summer we were redoing the bar upstairs and she applied. She's the only person I did not interview. I had a room full of people that were applicants. We had already hired some. My lead bartender is taking the application and answering the phones up front. I walk out into the lobby and I see her. So I walk past her, just like a man, you know. I turn around. (laughs) Yeah. I don't make no bones if she knows the story. I turn around and I go, wow. I go back into the kitchen. I intercom my bartender and I say, see that girl that's standing in front of me? She goes, yeah, I go, Hire. <laughs> and then she worked for me for like three months, right? Upstairs and so on and so forth. And all these guys are probably hitting on her. And I'm downstairs, stuck downstairs. I go, what is going on? So the day that she quit, I said, thank God, can I take you out? Wow. And then from there, yes. That yeah, was it. That was it. I, I did not know that either. <laughs> Mike Brown. Yeah. Man, oh, man. So, yeah. That's how it would happen. I mean, we would go upstairs and have a couple of drinks together, but nothing. And what year was that? She thought, she would tell you, she thought I was a total player and all that kind of stuff. And then she found out I was a nice guy and she said, okay. Right. This was um, 91. Okay. Gotcha. Curious. I see a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of notoriety and famous people coming in and out of steakhouses, right? What has been one of your? I guess is maybe a hot. I'm not hopefully I'm not stealing your uh, one of your hot topics over here. Let's let's get let's get to it. Uh, what is one of the um, I guess memorable moments you've had in any steakhouse that you've managed or people that you've come across? I was just curious. I think um, one of the best moments I had was taking a takeout order to Jackie Gleason in Florida. I didn't know he was in the limo. We got a call that Jackie Gleason wanted to take out order of ribs and I take it out 
and the driver doesn't get out. I go around the driver and he points to the back and Jackie Gleason opens the car. Thank you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I just stood there. I go, are you? Yeah. Thank you. And they drove away. You know what I mean? And he did that. He did that a couple of times. Um, in Florida, that's where I met the, the big guys from the Bee Gees to the, um, to the Taste Great, Less Filling crew. And one of the best stories was Jimmy the Greek, if you remember mm -hmm. Jimmy the Greek. So he comes in. It's a party of 10. He comes into the store. I'm running the, 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 the door. And he goes, yeah, we're here with a party of nine. I go, it's a, it's a party of 10, Mr. Greek. We're expecting you. He says, no, it's only nine. I go, no, it's 10. I go, give me odds. And he goes, one to five. I go, okay. So he goes in there, counts 10 people, comes back out with a $5 bill, signs it. Okay. <laughs> I'm so poor. I smoke cigarettes at the time. I put it in the cigarette machine because I needed a pack of Marlboro Lights. So, <laughs> yeah. It's just stupid things you do when you're a kid. So somebody else got that autograph five Something somewhere. like that somewhere. <laughs> they had no idea know. it was Jimmy the Greek. Right. But Paul Horning, you know, uh, Bubba Smith, all those guys. Yeah. Um, and great people. And they get a they get a bad rap because they just want to be regular people yeah. especially when they go out and they don't mind people coming up and saying hello shaking hands and uh we had sylvester stallone and kurt russell at the other place and i won't mention the name um but um sylvester stallone uh basically and i met his mother in florida when i told him that he goes sit down she's crazy ain't she <laughs> yeah she is she goes did he show you all the pictures i go yeah even the ones that you did during the porn stuff oh and, <laughs> so, wow and uh and he goes oh my gosh he's nuts so people were coming up interrupting him and says tony is there any way that you can just tell him let me eat and i'll sign any autograph afterwards and he did you know that's great i know he had the movie stop where my mom will shoot i wonder if that uh had anything to do with his his real mom i just watched <laughs> yeah. like the fifth rambo the other night or whatever it's it good. is it's yeah. unbelievable it's good guy, i yeah. mean he doesn't he's just i don't know how old he is but he just i feel like he's never i mean hopefully never dies but you know that, that i feel like he's gonna be 100 doing rambo yeah it's yeah. incredible he's good yeah man yeah awesome you want to you want to go on some some yeah, rapid fire save rapid fire every we put a hot seat on all of our guests so I guess I was stealing one of those questions early. Sorry, Mr. Good. Blackman. It's yeah. good. That's why we saw our Black and Decker. Yeah, that was a, that was an easy one. Yeah. Let's let's heat this thing up. <clears throat> What's your favorite dish at your restaurants? Um, or your go-to? Probably one. I have a couple of them. The lamb is one. Uh, I just like the way we make it, and then in Indianapolis, we don't have it on our menu in. Um, uh, Lexington and Cincinnati, but in Indianapolis, we do a veal chop and we do it almost like a piccata style, uh, with lemon caper, butter and so on. But then we put the citrus on top that just takes it over the top. Yeah. It's nice. Speaking of staying on that subject, better cook you or Deb? Oh, Deb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll boil the water. <laughs> you just like to walk by her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what we learned. Hey, honey, can I do anything? No, I'm okay. You Ooh, just remembered the Keep first going. time she got hired. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, walking by the, the interview. Oh, that's too funny. That's great. I love yeah. that. Yeah. You kind of already hinted to this one, but uh, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your own cooking? Oh, my God. Two. <laughs> <laughs> 
A two. Yeah. Really? I, have I one thought you'd dish. be at least right. a yeah. I, I, I would have lost a lot of money there. I, yeah. have, I have one dish that I do. Back in college, I took, I took this cooking class. And the kids from the school at FIU, it used to be a two-year college, they would come in at lunchtime and eat, right? So I was in charge of the bread this one day. And I misread the recipe. Teaspoon, I put tablespoons in it. So <laughs> the bread was so salty, Okay. And the professor comes up, what the hell did you do? He goes, I don't know. I followed the recipe. He says, did you put teaspoons? I said, oh, man, I put tablespoons. I go, how are the Coke sales? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, just laugh at it. You know, so I said, this is not for me. They work way too hard. Okay. It is back-breaking work. And I think to be a very, very talented chef, you need some sort of imagination. Some sort. I mean, they're artists. They are they are artists with food, and I just didn't have that passion. I had the passion shaking hands. How are you? Making sure you're okay. How are you doing? Come back and see me. You know, when's your anniversary? Kiss the babies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to reverse in a little, little bit here, getting back to football. This is, I think, Mr. Blackman's. I would put the Browns instead of the Bengals, but he wanted to know, I'll say this, how do we get Geo to my Browns? How do we make that happen? I think they, I think they interviewed him at the East West Shrine. There we I think go. They're one of the teams that that are interested in him. I'm very proud of him, first of all. And whether he makes it or not, I, I appreciate the fact that for him, you know, football doesn't um, define him sure. as a human being. You know what I mean? And I, I think, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there are some people. Very interested in him. He's in Denver training right now. He and one of his teammates, who was the center, uh, are in Denver. They basically have the same agent. Um, uh, and from the little kid, he was a Philadelphia Eagle. He became a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And the Eagles just sent him a letter that they're going to keep an eye on him. And then the tight ends coach wants to have lunch with him before pro day. That's great. So now we'll I'd, see what happens. So a little, yeah. probably give a little backstory. So when... Yes, you're obviously yeah. a proud father of four. I have a daughter from a prior marriage, yes. And but uh, Kyle and I had the four. You know, were fortunate enough to coach Gio when he was a freshman at, in high school. Uh, and as Kyle alluded to earlier uh, in the episode, that you know he, Kyle coached him as a quarterback, and then Gio obviously switched positions. And I was no longer with the staff at that time, and he went on to get a Division One college and play Division One football. And it's been yeah. great to watch his career. And this year, he's going to get a chance to. You know, he just graduated. He's going to get an opportunity to, to play in the NFL, hopefully. So that's yeah. to give you a little backstory. Yeah, had a great college career at Western Michigan, yeah. and yeah. and now is uh, going to hopefully get an opportunity at the next level. So yeah, like no. you said, either or, whether whatever happens, yeah, is uh, very very proud of him. And um, uh, the last conversation I had with him, his numbers are going in the right direction as far as what he needs to do on pro day. And Always telling me he got his athleticism athleticism from deb not not tony here <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know absolutely i have two no. left feet <laughs> no no i didn't know he was so i forgot he was so good at soccer so i'm gonna have to actually text geo after this and say you know what footwork I thought be- you got everything from your mom right. but we're gonna give your dad some more props now it was, it was funny giovanni was a young boy we were watching a soccer game and uh you know he i don't growing up i would tell all my friends you watch your kids are all going to be playing soccer because football players used to beat soccer players up at that time when I grew up, okay? And uh, now what happens? Their kids are playing soccer and my kid's playing football. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it's just life, right? It's how it, it rolls. Has, it has a way. But I remember watching the game. We were watching the World Cup, and I go, and we were watching the USA team. And uh, I said, okay, the coach needs to move this one player to the other side. That's their weak side, and so on and so forth. No sooner do I say that, does the announcer say the exact same thing? And Giovanni was a little boy, and he goes, how did you know that? I go, I don't know. Your dad's kind of cool, isn't he? <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, we know, um, you know, I just, I think recapping, you know, our conversation, I think it's, I've learned so much. Well, thank you for like, yeah. dropping knowledge nuggets on the UDP. Um, but I think one thing I'm the takeaway from this, this podcast is just believing in yourself, obviously mm -hmm. believing in the man upstairs, um, but just having that faith and believing in your abilities. That's something that I think it's at times, you know, I've doubted myself even recently, but to have that uh, wherewithal that, Hey, I, I, I've done it. I've had success and going back to that base foundation and believing in a lot of different things. Um, that's definitely something I'm going to take away. And so I think that's something for the listeners to, to obviously look at as well, where they're at, maybe their life of understanding of, of trusting their intuition and their gut and the, the people around, like you said, you've surrounded yourself with great mentors and people that have believed in your abilities, which I think is also something not to take for granted as well. So yeah. I don't know about you, Black, what'd you take away? I would just say to add on to that, that at the same time, it's never too late as well. You know, life, you, you obviously had some adversity, uh, you know, in 2008 and, you know, that's 12 years ago and who would have thought, you know, here we are 12 years later, you know, we're, we're sitting down and you, you've become very successful. So it's never too late, you know, when you are dealt that bad hand and just like I said, just believe and think good that's the important happen. thing because when I opened Cincinnati, I was 50 years old. Wow. I didn't even think you were I just, 50 right, right now. I didn't think I you were 50 turned, now. I just turned 60. Wow. wow. My goodness. Never too late. I need to get some of these Never jeans. too late, man. I guess the Germans don't get as good as Italians. <laughs> but. <laughs> Is there anything else? Well, uh, yeah, we were partners once until we switched sides. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're, we're, we're friends. Then. We're, back. <laughs> we're friends. We're back. Then. We're back. We'll unite. We'll unite everybody. Make it happen. Um, is there anything else that you would like? No, to thank leave? you. This is this has been awesome. And how can anyone listening um, engage with you or Tony Steakhouse or anything you're doing? I, I'm I'm in any one of the restaurants at any at any one time. Um, they can engage with me through our website through guest services. Um, they can either call any of the restaurants and ask for me personally. Um, they, um, my, again, my staff is just an amazing staff, but if they go on our website, they just don't go have to, a just don't ask them through Facebook. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I got to slow it down on Facebook <laughs> yeah. or TikTok. We found that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't reach out yet. We're going to get them on TikTok. We'll get, don't worry. we'll get there No, But, um, you know, I've known you for years. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on a decade, right? At, yeah. at your, from yeah. on the first time. This it's hard to believe things have moved really quick that was actually right when i uh, got out of school yeah. and was moving to cincinnati when that was all occurring and i kind of remember that firsthand yeah. and being in the restaurant right when it opened and uh to see a decade of excellence of sustained excellence and growth yeah. congratulations Thank and you. uh anyone that's listening please support tony and tony steakhouse in cincinnati lexington or indianapolis you'll have a great experience the culture as we mentioned that was established here in cincinnati has been been brought to those cities and it's a great meal and a great experience so thank you absolutely thanks kyle yeah, thank, thank you, you yeah thank you very much for your time my pleasure man <laughs> my pleasure 
Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.